Well, good morning. Hope you can all hear me. This is Granny D, Dorcas Smith, out of Plymouth, Michigan. Um, I've been doing this so long, you know, I listen to everybody introduce themselves, and I forget that uh, to remind you guys that I am a retired special ed teacher. I retired in 2006. That's amazing to think of. I, it just surprises me. It, the time has flown by so, so fast. Um, and then in 2011, magic of magics, I got really sick and new skin arrived in my life. And because of all the amazing supplements and exercise and team, I am healthier than I have ever been. And when I started this program, I love to brag this a little bit, I started off with 25% muscle and 30% fat. And now it's the other way around. I'm 25% fat and 30% muscle. And since I'm heading towards 70, I think that 30% muscle is awesome. And I haven't done amazingly hard things. I just, I do everything every day. And I remember this little thing that, this little statement that CJ read the other day has really made a difference. It really makes me think small, smart choices plus consistency plus time lead to radical difference. And I walk every day. I try to do 25 flights of stairs every day. I try to be very active, and I try to get at least 10,000 steps. But if I can get more, I do. And whenever I think about it, I stretch. I use my roller, my uh, roller uh, log to massage myself, and I try to remember to do small weights. I'm not like Victoria who lifts heavy-duty weights, and I think that's amazing. But just know you can use your body weight to make yourself stronger. And just by the fact that with my small things, like moving and walking every day, I've got my muscles up to 30%. I think that's a good thing so that you don't have to be brilliant. You don't have to do amazing things. You just got to take small, smart choices plus consistency plus time, and they will lead to radical difference. So we're going to go back to brain rules. I'm fascinated with the brain because I think that, it, well, it is 2% of our body, but it takes up, uses up 20% of our blood supply and energy. So just know we are big-brained creatures and we need to keep our brains healthy. And we keep our brains healthy, healthy by keeping our bodies healthy. So when I, when I was reading last week, we were talking about different kinds of intelligences. And Gardner wrote a book called Frames of Mind, The Theory of Multiple Intelligences. And when he wrote it, and it was probably in, I don't know what the date is, um, he set off a firestorm of debate. And, of course, you know, it's still burning. That debate is still burning today. So Gardner believes that he's seen at least seven categories of intelligence. There could be thousands. But he, he classifies verbal, linguistic, music, rhythmic, musical, rhythmic, logical, mathematic, four is spatial, 
Five is bodily kinesthetic. Six is interpersonal. And seven is intrapersonal. He calls these entry points into the inner workings of the human mind. The categories don't always intersect with one another. And Gardner has said, if I know you are very good at music, I can predict with about zero accuracy whether you're going to be good or bad in other things. Some researchers think that Gardner is resting on his opinion, not on his data. But none of his critics attack the underlying thesis that human intellect is multifaceted. To date, Gardner's efforts represent the first serious attempt to provide an alternative to numerical descriptions of human cognition. So we can map the brain. The categories of intelligence may, as John Medina say, says, may number more than 7 billion, roughly the population of the world. Although after COVID, who knows? Maybe we needed to have a cleansing out. Oh, my goodness. You can get a sense of this by watching skilled, a skilled neurosurgeon. His name is George Ojiman. Examine the exposed brain of a four-year-old girl. Ojiman, O-J-E-M-A-N-N, has a shock of white hair, piercing eyes, and the quiet authority of someone who has for, for decades watched people live and die in the operating room. He is one of the great neurosurgeons of our time, and he is an expert at, the te- at a technique called electrical stimulation mapping. He's hovering over a girl with severe epilepsy. She is fully conscious. Her brain is exposed to the air. He is there to remove some of her misbehaving brain cells. But before Ojiman can do anything, he must make a brain map. Excuse me. He wields a white, a slender white wand attached to a wire. It's a cortical stimulator which sends out small, unobtrusive electrical shocks to anything it touches. If it brushed against your hand, you would only feel a slight tingling sensation. Ojiman gently touches one end of the wand to an area of the little girl's brain and asks her, did you feel anything? And she says dreamily, somebody touched my hand. He puts a piece of paper on the area. He touches another spot. She exclaims, somebody just touched my cheek. Another piece of paper. This call and response goes on for hours. Like a neural cartographer, Ojiman is mapping the various functions of this little patient's brain with special attention paid to the areas close to her epileptic tissue. These are tests of the little girl's motor skills. For reason not well understood, however, epileptic tissues are often disturbingly adjacent to critical language areas. So Ogeman also pays close attention to the regions involved in language processing, where words and sentences and and grammatical concepts are stored. This child happens to be bilingual, so language areas essential for both Spanish and English will need to be mapped. 
a paper dot marked S is applied to the regions where Spanish exists and an E where English is stored. Ogerman does this painstaking work. <coughs> Hold on. Sorry, a little dry throat there. Ogerman does this painstaking work with every single patient who undergoes this type of surgery. <coughs> Why? The answer is a stunner. He has to map each individual's critical function areas because he does not know where they are. Ogerman cannot predict the function of the very precise areas in advance of the surgery because no two brains are wired, wired identically, not in terms of structure, not in terms of function, for example. <coughs> I am so sorry. Of course, when I'm reading, I get one of these little allergy reactions. Okay, for example, from nouns to verbs to aspects of grammar, you're going to have to, ex oops, a daisy, you're going to have to excuse me for a second. Oops. Sorry, I had to have a good cough. All right, I'm back. So, for example, from nouns to verbs to aspects of grammar, we each store language in different areas, recruiting different regions for different components. Bilingual people don't store their Spanish and their English in similar places. The individuality has fascinated Ogerman for years. He once combined the brain maps of 117 patients he had operated on over the years. And in only one region did he find a spot where most people had a critical language area or a CLA. Most means only 79% of the patients. Data from electrical stimulation mapping. Hold on. Data from electrical stimulation mapping give probably the most dramatic illustration of the brain's individuality. I'm so sorry. There. I'm so sorry. I'm having an allergy attack. And in the middle of a conversation with you guys, it doesn't make it very easy. Okay. Let me try that again. Data from electrical stimulation mapping give probably the most dramatic illustration of the brain's individuality. But Ogeman also wanted to know how stable these differences were during life, and if any of these differences predicted intellectual competence. He found interesting answers to both questions. First, the maps are established very early in life, and they remain pretty stable throughout. Even if a de decade or two had passed between surgeries, the regions recruited for a specific CLA remained recruited for, the same, for that same CLA critical language areas. 
Ogerman also found that certain CLA patterns could predict language competency, at least measured by a preoperative verbal IQ test. If you want to be good at language or at least perform well on a test, don't let the superior temporal gyrus host your CLA. Your verbal performance will be statistically quite poor. Also, make sure your overall CLA pattern has a small and rather tightly focused footprint. If the pattern is instead widely distributed, you will have a remarkably low score. These findings are robust and age-independent. They have been demonstrated in people as young as kindergartners and as old as Alan Greenspan. Here we go again. Sorry, everybody. Back again, sorry. Not only are people's brains individually wired, but those neurological differences can, at, at least in the case of language, predict performance. Ideas. Given this data, does it make any sense to have school systems that expect every brain to learn like every other brain. Does it make sense to treat everybody the same in business, especially in a global economy replete with various cultural experiences? The, date, the data offer powerful implications of how we should teach kids and when they grow up and get a job, how we should treat them as employees. <coughs> I have a couple of concerns about our school systems. Yeah, think. Let's hear what he has to say. The current system is founded on a series, number one, the current system is founded on a series of expectations that certain learning goals should be achieved by a certain age, a certain age. yet there is no reason to suspect that the brain pays attention to those expectations. Students of the same age show a great deal of differences in their intellectual ability. Two, these differences can be profoundly influenced by classroom performance. This has been tested. For example, about 10% of students do not have brains sufficiently wired to read at the age at which America expects them to read. Lockstep models based simply on age are guaranteed to create a counterproductive mismatch to brain biology. What can we do about this? Last sentence, smaller class size. If you can interact with those little brains. I was a really, really late reader, but I have really good language. I can remember spelling does, D-O-S-E, for years. It did not make sense to me. But I do remember when suddenly reading made sense and I could do it. So just know that we don't all read at the same time. We don't all do a lot of things at the same time, and we need to be patient with our children and our grandchildren to allow them to get there at their speed. All right. Brian, you can take me off mute, and let's finish this call, and thank you, everybody, for putting up with my allergy attack.
No problem. We love what you had to share. <laughs> well, isn't it interesting? Small class size, because of our, all our little different brains, is really very, very important. Of course, you well, and I is, already I'm, knew that. <laughs> I'm wondering. Gee whiz, maybe COVID's going to make us do that. <laughs> yes. Yes, it has. Absolutely. And we are learning all kinds of new skills. It's amazing. My grandchildren have been going to school on computer now for a week. And at first, it was quite a struggle for them. But it seems like they're figuring it out. And they're getting there. It's pretty amazing. Well, the tutoring company I work for lined me up with two families, which will eat up about 19 hours of my time. So... One of them, three hours a day, five days a week. The other one is four days a week, two hours a day. So, yep. You'll be able, you'll get a lot done. You'll get a lot done with them in that amount of time. It's actually the reason that we need such a long school day is because there's so many things going on that the children need to have different times to get things done. But if you actually look at the amount of on-task behavior or training or learning, it's not that high at times. <laughs> I, I, I want to just say something because um, I went to the eye doctor last week and um, he, he was explaining to me about dry eyes and the fact that Take a cracker. It'll make it everything go down, and then you won't cough anymore. I used to do that with my patients when they would be coughing in the office. It, I don't know why, but just take a cracker and swallow, chew it up and swallow it, and the cough will, I hope, go away like it well, did with my patients. But I want to say something uh-huh. about the office because it's very important. Um, a while ago, I was hearing that children were getting their eyes were aging, um, and the little, I guess, the oil sacs around their eyes were like elder people, like us, when we start getting dry eyes. And um, my eye doctor said that when you watch on the computer or your phone, you don't blink. It's like when you talk to somebody, you blink all the time, but you, you are so focused that that's when your eyes dry out because you're focused on the screen. And I'm just worried about the kids being on the screen and and especially my teenage grandson who is on Fortnite all day long when he has a chance. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I, I just think that parents should be aware for the little ones. You know, make sure you get their eyes checked. Well, um, when I was doing training with Love and Logic and Jim Fay, he they highly recommended that our kids actually, and it's not going to happen right now, but they shouldn't have any more than two to three hours of screen time a day, and that included TV and computers. Um, I don't know about you, but I'm because we're I'm locked inside, or I'm not spending as much time out in the real world. Um, I my screen time is extremely much. It's greatly increased. It's greatly oh, increased. So that's so that's good well, information. I 
Go ahead. One of the classes I was taking this summer, they actually, one of the instructors built in screen time. He says, so for every 15 or 20 minutes, we're going to stop and we're going to take a minute or two. We're going to look at something outside. We're going to, you know, mm-hmm. we're going to go something for a couple of minutes and then we're going to come back to the screen. Because he and says he your eyes need the rest, brain needs the rest. And he also said mm-hmm. putting drops in your eyes if you do need them. Like he said, don't wait. Just start in the, you know, in the beginning of the day and just put the drops in your. Don't wait till you mm-hmm. start to feel the, the stress or the yes. tension or they can't see as clear. It's and that way it won't happen. You know, do it a couple times. That's for people like me that are older. <laughs> but I don't know. I think it would be anybody that could that's watching and staring at that screen all day long. Yes, when I'm, I, I actually, I do quite a little, quite a lot of phone banking from one of my local political groups, and one of the coolest parts we're doing is we're just talking about absentee ballots, and you know, when you get your absentee ballot, don't mail it back, walk it in, stuff like that. But yesterday, I got to talk to a teacher for about ten minutes, and she was so cute. She was going back to school today. And she was, but she was going back to, to computer school, and she was a, a junior high teacher, and she was teaching math, but she was teaching phys ed for the first time because she just got her phys ed endorsement, and she was just telling me about her worries about trying to do phys ed from a computer, so, um. I I wished her good luck, and we had a very charming conversation, and I gave her some good information about getting her both in, and it was very positive. But I had to think, oh, my goodness, I can't imagine teaching phys ed from a Zoom or from a computer. (laughs) Eh, Susan? Yep. It can be done, though, because I've had some teachers that have talked about how they were going to plan to do PE by Zoom, you know, and it may be that oh. they're giving assignments for the kids to do. So, well, you know, if you put if you put your computer, or you can put your computer somewhere where you can move, as my grandchildren do, because they are on they have um, laptops. Um, you can organize it so that you send the kids to do stuff and then you say you've got to be back in five minutes having done this or what have you. So I don't know. I, I, was, I wished her good luck and I thought, wow, middle school phys ed via Zoom, yep. that has to be an event. <laughs> yep. <laughs> anyway, thanks for putting up for my, you know, it, what I have is I have a, a a runny nose, and when it starts, there's nothing I can do. That's why I had to stop and have a good blow and clean it all out. Sometimes I just get an allergy, whoosh, and there's yeah, there you have it. So thanks for putting up with me. I thought the stuff that was very, it was very interesting about how to map your brain and the fact that a, 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 neuro, a, neuro, or a, a surgeon, neurosurgeon has to spend all these hours before he can do the surgery, checking out where everything is, before because he he must he must make sure to be careful to protect or not damage other areas of the brain. 
there are some these are times when you go, wow, that's amazing. And the fact that we all, like there was this 80% uh, match where most people have a critical language area. Isn't that interesting? Only one area. Everything else, everybody is different. We are as different inside our bodies as we are outside our bodies. And may we celebrate that wonderful individuality. So have a great day, everybody. Walk. Do a little bit. As I said, small, smart choices plus consistency plus time lead to radical difference. And just every time you do it, go, yeah, a little bit today will make tomorrow easier. So have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow. Be well. May you be productive and may may you rewire your brain in one way or another today. God bless everybody. Thank you for jumping in. We really appreciated it. Oh, you're most welcome. It's my pleasure. I just... I find all these, I love sharing stuff with you, and I love having that old teacher part of me is still there. My problem is at the end of the day, I still have too many words. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, have a great day. See everybody tomorrow. Yes. Bye-bye. Have a good one. Take care, everyone. Thanks for being here.